Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Solentano, our business editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. The 2023 Volume 1 is on newsstands now. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. So, John, you're going to start us off with an American Tower story. Uh, yes, Leslie, you know, there's a lot going on this week, um, but one that um, uh, an item that particularly is of interest to uh, our, our audience and, uh, and our coverage of the tower business and <clears throat> American Tower, as, as we know, and, and we've covered extensively, is the largest independent tower company in the world. Its biggest market actually is in India, where it has um, uh, over 77,000 towers, uh, and that represents about a third of its global base of uh, 223,000 towers. Its biggest customer in India is Vodafone Idea, which is one of the three big uh, mobile network operators. And in the past year, Vodafone Idea has had uh, financial difficulties and it's actually had difficult uh, trouble maintaining its uh, monthly lease payments to American Tower. Uh, it occupies uh, you know, thousands of towers in India and um, it notified um, the American Tower when it ran into financial difficulties that it would be only making partial payments. Now we've covered this before where uh, it, American Tower ended up taking an impairment against its uh, total operations in the order of $466 million. Well, um, and it also in, indicated in its fourth quarter 22 earnings call that it would consider selling an equity stake in part of its um, Indian operations, I think as a as a hedge against some of these uh, uh, financial difficulties that its customers are running into. Well, uh, we reported this week that uh, the Canadian Pension Fund, <coughs> a CDPQ, which actually stands for Case de Depot on Plasma du Quebec, is a Canadian pension fund that uh, invests in infrastructure around the world and does have relations with uh, some of the tower companies like American Tower. But it's offered to, um, it, it's in talks with American Tower to buy about 50% of American Tower's operations in India. And uh, American Tower runs a, a subsidiary there called ATC Telecom Infrastructure uh, Private Limited. But uh, basically it would give up 50% uh, control of that operation to uh, CDPQ and um, and actually share the risk, as it were. So uh, it was understood that KKR was uh, also considering a bid, but uh, CDPQ followed through with a fair amount of uh, due diligence, and uh, it looks like it, it may make a, a serious offer. Uh, 
Um, the valuations of, of the, uh, of the uh, American Towers subsidiary in India ranged uh, $1.5 to $2 billion. So um, it's a pretty sizable operation and a lot of money at stake here. So uh, CDPQ really had looked at earlier investments in India. It had pursued an opportunity with Indus Towers, which is the largest tower company in India with a portfolio of almost 190,000 towers uh, as of a year in 2022. So uh, more to follow, but I, I think there's some, some uh, this, this story has some legs and, uh, and we're, we're hoping to perhaps see an announcement in, uh, in, the, in the near future. So we're staying tuned on that. Thank you, John. And I think uh, you and Jim attended the Maryland DC Wireless Association uh, meeting over the week too. You were going to say something about that? Yeah, we did. Jim, Jim, give us give us the scoop on that one. Well, yeah, the initial um, focus of the of this get together was you know something that uh, we know we've all known so well about the industry that it comes together in times of need for people and is a wonderful giving industry. Um, and uh, this was no certainly no exception. This was. A uh, event held at Top Golf in downtown Baltimore uh, by the um, Maryland DC uh, Wireless Association, and that um, was it was done to uh, direct some funds to uh, the family of, of Alex Byro, who was the president of Virginia Wireless Association, who. Sadly, passed away um, uh, late last year, and uh, they were uh, coming up with funds for the family to for expenses. And um, they actually uh, pulled together eight thousand dollars, which was incredible. So um, you know, it's always great to see our our industry do something like that. We've seen them do it time and time again. And it, it's always impresses me. It amazes me. And, and uh, uh, you know, makes me uh, glad that I'm, I'm part of this, this, this industry that, uh, that you know, that, you know, we're, it's not just putting up steel. It's, it's about, you know, watching each other's back. And certainly we see this when there's uh, a, a tower tragedy. Um, so anyway, that was, that was the focus of the meeting. Um, Alex Gelman, CEO of Vertical Bridge, spoke, and, and, and John, you wrote up a little bit on that. Yeah, Alex uh, was generous with his time with us, so we had a chance to uh, speak with him one-on-one -on -one before his presentation, but um, um, he, he, he basically gave a state of the tower business address uh, as part of his keynote. And, uh, you know, Alex, you know, he's a veteran, he's been around a long time, and uh, he's very enthusiastic about this business. And his, his opening line was, look, the tower business is still the best business ever. And uh, but he did he did want, uh, share some perspectives on the current <clears throat> state of the business as it's being impacted by the macroeconomic environment, typically mainly high interest rates. And he cautioned that the industry is being adversely affected by these high interest rates, um, pointing out that you know it was just a year ago that we were at zero in inflation, and now we're up to four and a half and approaching five percent. Um, uh, and he expects it'll probably top out at around 5% by the end of this year and then then gradually uh, 
uh, retreat. But um, there's a, a lag effect uh, that high interest rates have on the tower business. He says the problem is that the high interest rates drive up operating costs and really limit the, you know, the tower company tenants, mainly the network operators, limit their ability to borrow money that's needed for network operations or new network construction. And so with interest on loans of two or three times uh, uh, the level they were a year ago, the carrying costs uh, and ultimately borrowing power and impacting on the um, ability of the uh, of the carriers to uh, continue to deploy CapEx at the rate they have been. So, uh, but as Alex points out, all of the mobile network operators are under pressure to continue to build to meet the demand for mobile data and coverage and, uh, and, and, and other vertical market applications. So it's not that they, um, they, they are, are stopping their build, they're, but they're deferring it. And he indicated that the, he expected the capital expenditures for 2023, and we, we highlighted this as well. He called them muted. They'll be muted in 2023 compared to 2022. Uh, he said multiples of, um, uh, 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 private tower companies are still high. Uh, they've dropped with the public companies. Um, but, um, you know, there's really not a lot of towers available to be acquired. Um, and investors and uh, other uh, acquirers have what he calls dry powder uh, to deploy. <clears throat> uh, but um, uh, not much is happening in the deal flow these days. He said that uh, he expects that maybe private assets might start to sell in the second half of 2023, but uh, we just don't know really how deep the uh, the tranche is uh, uh, in in the in the in the market in, in terms of uh, delayed uh, expenditures or deferred uh, acquisitions. So, uh, you know, all in all, he he did have a positive outlook. Uh, he said that the U.S. market is um, is still the best market for investment from foreign investment. Um, and uh, it's attracting money from banks and equity firms outside the U.S. who are want to invest in the U.S. He said that kind of access to funds provides staying power for the tower companies like Vertical Bridge, who can take advantage of available capital while they wait out the M&O customers to spend, uh, uh, whether it be now or, or later. So interesting uh, commentary and um, enjoyed his presentation and um, it was well received by the group. Yeah, Alex has always been uh, very... Uh, very giving. I mean, that's what your the the media loves loves Alex because he's he's always forthright and candid and uh, doesn't pull any punches about the market, and that's that's always refreshing. So we we certainly enjoyed our time down there. Yeah, we did. and he's he's available too. I mean, he's he's not someone that puts you off. If you need to speak to him, he'll he'll speak to you, which is which is nice. All right, gentlemen, thank you. Um, one of the things I wrote this week was how Buy America could hang up the BEAD money. BEAD stands for Broadband Equity Access and Deployment. Um, New Street Research Policy Advisor Blair Levin uh, devoted some ink to this this week. Um, he, he said, contrary to initial investor reactions when the Buy America policy came out, Government investments in broadband are primarily positive for ISPs. Um, 
Apparently, many investors believe the plans would be negative for incumbents and that uh, they feared that a significant amount of the billions going into this would be spent on overbuilding. But he thinks that's been overblown um, as Congress and, uh, you know, as it's unfolding, how bead money is going to be distributed. He said it's really going to focus on unserved and underserved communities. And now the invest the investment question is not what the damage will be, but rather how high the upside will be for incumbent ISPs. He says the uh, one thing he, he cautions, he said, you know, poll attachment issues and charges remain unresolved. We've been reporting on this, you know, the arguments over who's going to pay when a poll has to be replaced, for example, Uh is it the last attacher or is it the utility? That still uh, has not been worked out. Um, and he said uncertainty about the the affordable connectivity program and the timing and economics of poll attachments are causing significant stress in state broadband offices and among companies preparing to bid on the bead dollars. And he said, the states and the bidders must make assumptions about government decisions that are difficult to predict. And he, you know, by America, the stipulation, how it's applied to infrastructure deployment is really important. He said, if it applies to fiber, that's not a problem because there's a significant supply that's made in the United States. But if it applies to all elements of the project, then it will be a problem. And, you know, in his State of the Union address, President Biden specifically said Buy America would apply to fiber optic cables. NTIA, which is going to distribute the bead money to the states, and it's going to have its goal to do that is, or to start doing that anyway, is June 30th. NTIA has said the policy would be strictly enforced this past week, NTIA Administrator Allie Davidson said waivers were possible, but the bar is set high. So we'll have to see how this works out. Levin uh, believes some waivers, some companies will get waivers. So we'll have to see. Um, and Blair Levin knows what he's talking about. He was chief of staff under former chairman Reed Hunt. You know, it's interesting if you think about the equipment used in a lot of these projects. It's true the fiber optic piece is predominantly American sourced. Yeah. Um, if you look at where wireless it may be used, the radios, um, the big vendors like an Ericsson and a Nokia or even a Samsung may play in part of that. But I think there's, there's still a lot of opportunity for American based manufacturers, some of the smaller radio manufacturers to play in especially if we're talking fixed wireless applications to serve uh to to deliver signals to underserved or or unserved areas uh, and help bridge the digital divide so it'd be interesting i think the the any any bump bump up against the buy america act may be more an exception than very widespread uh, i'd be surprised if it became a big issue honestly well that's a good perspective thanks john so now switching to, we're moving to Germany now. Um, Germany says removing Huawei and ZTE gear from its networks is not going to be cheap. Um, 
It's going to be a painful process, according to the country's economy ministry. Uh, the the uh, economy ministry says money, that, well, some figures it's looking at, it says there's likely to be a significant impact on the operation of mobile networks and the fulfillment of coverage requirements if Germany removes those Chinese telecom technologies from its networks. It's Germany is one of several European countries whose carriers have widely deployed Huawei and ZTE telecom equipment. Earlier this month, the Chinese embassy estimated that Huawei gear accounts for nearly 60% of Germany's network equipment. You know, uh, the U.S., of course, has said, you know, you can't get that anymore. And it's hopefully still going to reimburse companies for removing it. Uh, of course, that that whole situation, it's like over $3 billion shortfall in that program. And the clock is ticking on the U.S. Pro reimbursement program because it was supposed to be good for a year. And that starts in July. So Congress really needs to get it together soon and approve the rest of that money. Anyway, going back to Germany. So... Germany waffled on whether it was going to follow the U.S. on that mandate. The country is in the process of reviewing the technology that's used in its carrier networks. Uh, so the according to this report from the register, the ministry stopped short of putting a number on the total economic cost. But as the laws are written, carriers could end up footing the bill to replace the hardware. That's so that would be interesting. So thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Tower's Week in Review. For a complete rundown of all the week's stories, check out our Saturday edition. We will see you in a week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.